Hello, and welcome to House of Decline. We have a, a special episode for you today. Well, all of our episodes are special and wonderful, but this slightly more, because we have uh, someone who's been a huge influence on me in terms of webcomics and uh, many of my webcomic siblings. It's Chris Wilson from Cyanide and Happiness. Hey, folks. Thanks for having me, and oh, I'm glad it can be a special influence today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you're you're definitely, I think, undoubtedly, uh, you have influenced the scape of uh, the comics world, because as the gaming webcomic fell from grace, uh, gag comics seem to have been the thing that have taken their place as uh, as uh, more substantial and more yeah. widespread. That um, was the goal. That yeah. definitely was the goal. Um, also, we down. have, as always, Steven. Oh, hi. Hello, Stephen. Glad to be Steven's here. Stephen's coming. Well, and we're just going to have a freewheeling conversation about the the legend of webcomics and, you know, yeah. how it... How it Let's ero- open the old tomb. Yeah, and Absolutely. blow the dust off it. The dusty book of webcomics. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Codex Geiga filled with dick <laughs> yeah, and butt absolutely. jokes. Um, but, I mean, it's great having you on because... You, from a very early time in in the history of webcomics, have been active and popular. And I feel like you, you've you seen it all. And, like, in the same way that, like, a lot of webcomics, pieces, pieces of them got chipped away over time. You know, like the statue of Ozymandias. Uh, Cyanide and Happiness has remained largely sort of unchanged and still chugging along and has managed to navigate, uh, you know, two different worlds. Because it feels like... Starting a webcomic now, it feels like Dark Souls. You know, it feels like you're persisting in a ruined world. You know, there there was yeah. once these great monuments of glory, and they have, you right, know, right. you can still live in the world, and people are still going around, and you can make your way, and you can do stuff. But I, I was wondering, like, so what was your experience with that arc of webcomics, where they were huge in this, like, late 2000s period, but as social media became more of a thing, like your numbers got saturated because of all these new media forms. Like, uh, could you speak to that arc of web comics? Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, when things first, yeah, when I, when we first came on the scene, it was video game comics almost in its entirety. And, uh, also because of the lack of social media, it was a bit more of a bubble. It was a lot more, uh, um, I guess, uh, recursive, uh, like there was a, the web comics audience and they were the people who read web comics and something that social media actually kind of got us out there is the dawning of my space and how, mm. uh, a lot of, there was a whole trend about like, don't let people hyperlink, uh, from your website. And we didn't care. We just mm. said, go crazy. We just want people reading it. And, uh, so it became much more shared on things like MySpace than a lot of other web comics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, for us, you know, like it's it's crazy to think how big uh, web comics were back there. It's, def- it's definitely harder to notice and see. Like even going to comic conventions, uh, it was all, I don't know, just kind of quiet website hits that you would get and maybe comments on a forum and stuff like that but it didn't it didn't uh have as much i guess you call it engagement that filthy mm-hmm. word but um the the change uh the change you know like we we <laughs> i remember back uh when our comic got larger like officially it was larger than penny arcade and so hell we, yeah we put a little banner on our website saying dick jokes win. You know, Hell yeah, fuck thing. you. Fuck you, yeah. uh, Tycho and Gabe. Nah, I'm sure they're fine <laughs> people. I'm sure they're fine people. They are fine people. They helped uh, Dave Michelfatrick. They helped uh, get him into the country and get his work visa. Hell yeah. Recommendation they wrote when he got uh, sent back from New York. They, he flew to New York to come animate with us in Texas and stuff, and then he got tossed back and the penny arcade guys helped get him back in so you know yeah with that uh, black we might, cap we might have some we might have some kind of snafu like that in our future <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah i'm canadian so uh, you know <laughs> oh, i'm coming from right. my weird commonwealth country uh, i guess ireland's yeah. not really a commonwealth country they'd probably kick my ass <laughs> for saying that uh uh but yeah, that's that's the real Irish immigrant experience. You know, he went to Ellis Island and everything, and they kicked him around, and you know, <laughs> gave him he, a new name. Yeah, he he had to make his way as a shoe shine in order to get the money back. You know, that's right. It was a whole thing. Uh, but yeah, um, so 
it starts off in this insular world, but you're getting like, I think even your Wikipedia says at, at the height, you were getting like a million hits a day. And yeah. does that, has like the ad revenue gotten less from that and you have to find other sources of ad revenue now from like multiple sources or like what's the deal with that? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, websites as a whole are dying out. Uh, so like um, I, I could see a future maybe five to eight years from now where uh, just some of the things like websites kind of go out of fashion, just kind of apps linking to each other. I think even typing in a URL will be seen as old um, soon where that'll be like as kind of archaic as like using a run command on a computer or something. So like uh, we, we uh, from the beginning, it's we've always known that we got to be versatile and kind of uh, not try to ch challenge all the change and everything. Uh, I do think the Internet sucks ass compared to how it used to be in some ways, but like um it's all yeah it's a lot more spread around and we we're lucky with the uh our brand is pretty recognizable and mm -hmm. so uh as people you know steal it and put it around and every uh everywhere it still comes back to us and so um like yeah yeah we've just we've changed up how we do some things you know we do the animation is kind of its own uh universe and uh has its own audience entirely and then mm -hmm. party games is something we've been doing a lot of and mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we, we don't like, uh, we don't want to have one website have a control over us. Mm -hmm. So like, we don't want to, yeah, if we fucking, you know, get kicked off Facebook for the 200th time that it doesn't ruin everything else that we're doing. Yeah. But a lot of bobbing and weaving with all the changes. And so now we're trying to figure out, well, I mean, what the hell do we even want to do with something like TikTok? Mm -hmm. You know, things like Is there that. Is there like excitement in like trying to figure out these new forms of uh, social media or is it like a chore? Some, yeah, some it's excitement, definitely. You know, we've been doing this for almost 20 years. So a lot of the times it's more of our eagerness that, you know, we want to do animations. We want to do a full series. We want to do video games, stuff like that. It's uh, so stuff that we do to kind of keep it fresh for us as well. Have you ever so. had, because I've noticed stuff now, like, um, so... I observed that a lot of the CNH style, uh, you started out from sticksuicide.com, right? And um, a lot of that comes from that Newgrounds, when I associate that supremely with Newgrounds and that yes. sense of humor, where it was, you know, um, very deeply trying to be offensive, but there was something lighthearted about it. Right. Um, and that has sort of, over the course of like a decade, that has sort of transformed and bubbled up into the mainstream. And I think the surest example of that hitting is Smiling Friends. Have you seen yeah. Smiling Friends? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We come from the Newgrounds folks. Uh, uh, Zach and Michael are buddies of ours and voice actors for us and stuff like that. Yeah. We all we all come from that Newgrounds era um, style for sure. And, and yeah, you're right that like being in that arena and just being in uh, that culture, yeah, like uh, shapes some of the sense of humor and whatnot. And we definitely, you know, we never tried to be offensive. We just kind of found what out was we were funny, when yeah. people told us, that, hey, that's offensive. Like, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You learn as you go. You learn as you yeah. go. Um, but I I think. um I mean, because, like, Smiling Friends is, like, very different than the stuff, like, Psychic Pebbles was putting out even five years. It feels much more refined oh, yeah. and mature and, like, uh, has a very adult sense of story structure and is very... Right. And I've seen, you know, C&H evolve like that as well, because I, I think there's also that... Have Did you notice that over the course of your 20s, there became less of an urge to push buttons or I don't know if even the urge to push buttons was even there to begin with. But I noticed like in my early 20, in my teens, in my early twenties, I was like, I'm going to try and do the raw shit. I'm going to like speak the right. truth. You know, I'm going to like, uh, but as I've gotten older, you know, I've just mellowed out and be like, why is just wear Hawaiian shirts, man. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I think just people got a little worn out by it. A little yeah. fatigued when everyone's trying it, you know, it just kind of becomes, that's when you have like I think that's when like probably part of why uh, when and why relatable comics became a big thing for a few mm -hmm. years where it was all slice of life and oh that's me I'm going to share that because this is me mm -hmm. you know like I think that some of that wholesome kind of relatable stuff came out of a wave of people trying trying to be the dirtiest degenerates they could be mm -hmm. and it just becomes boring after a while I think. Um... 
another quality, you talk about that replication, but something interesting about cyanide and happiness and something that I seek to emulate in my own comics is how easy it is for someone to make their own cyanide and happiness comic. Like, uh, yeah. And was that part of it? Did you consciously do that as like, uh, we like the idea that it is very, this is like a punk thing, you know, anyone can Mm -hmm. do this. And that's sort of what makes it appealing. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, when I was first starting the comic out, there were things like this is what I wanted to see in web comics. I was one of those people who's just reading a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked more of the comics that were kind of like White Ninja back in the day. Oh, were, White Ninja. Uh, right? Fucking rule. Like it's sad that you can't get them anymore. The, I know. It's a, it's this lost. It's this the lost media that I would most love to recover is White Ninja comics. Because, yeah. you know, yeah, look absolutely. at my guys. It's It's just White Ninja, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see the influence, which, yeah, great influence. They they definitely were a big, uh, you know, I've made a lot of stylistic choices seeing some of what they did. And then I was also just big into, like, Don Hertzfeldt oh, and yeah. uh, Don Hertzfeldt and um, Jonah Vasquez and stuff at the time. I was, like, 14, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, got really into really into them. And there, were, there was a conscious effort to, like, it needs to look bad, like... Uh, Rob, Dave, and I, we can, we can draw, we can animate, but that's not what this is about. You know what I mean? It's not about making things look nice. It, it, I was, when I was first drawing, um, them, like basically moving them to digital instead of just in a school notebook, uh, I was using a ball mouse to draw them. And, uh, it, it was so much more difficult. Like, uh, I've even used like laptop track pads to draw them just to make sure that they like, don't look too refined. Don't mm-hmm. look too good. Like uh, it was supposed to be amateur, uh, not only for um, like, yeah, an accessibility to the style, but also just it's a good way to tell your audience that you're not so serious about it. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Not, I think that helps when it has that made in the garage kind of vibe to it, that it helps like the tone of the I entire totally thing. agree with that. I mean, I saw that night and day when I was doing political, these very intricate, you know, uh, cross-hatchy political comics, and I was trying to tell jokes, but they were too severe for the joke to land. And the minute right. I, like, simplify my style to as simple as it could possibly be, you know, these jokes are landing much better. I think right. there is something to that. Where Absolutely. It's like the art gets in the way of the joke sometimes. I agree. I, I think that some people who are more art-focused with their comics, they kind of go towards what they want to draw rather than they what, what they want to write. Yeah. And so you can sometimes end up, like, I don't think any comic is good with bad writing, but an ugly comic can be great with with good writing, you know? So, oh, absolutely. Like, uh, you can see, yeah, I think there's a vibe where it's like, oh, they prioritize the art more than the writing here, or vice versa, and I, I'm more for make it ugly, and I... Mm. Want it to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's to me, and I think probably for a lot of people, that's when I dropped off of Penny Arcade is when Gabe got too good. He got too good at art, and it was like suddenly it wasn't this, it wasn't this homey, you know, hanging out with my buddies thing that I could do myself. I could draw my own two guys on a couch comic. It became this epic tale, you know, they kept it. And, you know, kudos for them, because you can't do the same thing over and over again. And I'm glad right. they evolved as artists. But that's sort of when the vibe got lost. And, you it know, it feels a little corporate. suddenly. Yeah. Even yeah. though he didn't, he never ended up fixing his banana fingers. That he'd always have. It's a, <laughs> all the art would look better. The shading would look nicer. And then you'd have just the big amorphic hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of my um, favorite Web comics, which also I think sort of typifies that uh, placing the writing first, is Lego Robot Comics. Do you know that? Oh, I haven't heard of that now. But now goes by Plastic Brick Automaton because of Lego. They got sued. problems. Oh, yeah. Lego was not the... cool with. But <laughs> they did. They have it, one of the very first comics by them has turned into a meme that has lasted since like 2004, mm-hmm. which you probably have seen. Um, which one is that? It, well, it's from the comic Reese's. It's like Reese's for breakfast, mm-hmm. and it's the guy who uh, like is doing a like. Oh, he's the cereal eating guy. The cereal yeah, eating guy. Eating guy. Cereal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is yeah. this the same people who did the White Whale, Holy Grail, yes, Mastodon oh, one? That, okay, yeah, that old that 4chan one. meme about uh, yeah. Mastodon. Yeah. Yeah, and it's stabbing. He's jealous of a boyfriend or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Those are yeah. Very, very, very 
crudely drawn, but some of the hardest I've laughed um, right. is going through that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we need or, to go uglier. I think that, like, <laughs> how can we go uglier? There, there's got to be a way. We can get uglier, damn it. Yeah. That's why I get... sort of respect, like, the designs of Big Mouth. Or it's yeah. like, I've always been, like, I've never been attracted to drawing in that super anime style of making things pretty and, you know, finely appointed. I sort of like how Big Mouth is, we're going to make these characters as fucking unappealing as possible. Right. Or <laughs> there, there's a sort of respect I have, even though, you know... I don't know um, how you feel about it. It's weird to me, like, when big budget animation does rigging, because, like, the yeah. Venture Bros got me too used to, like, oh, animation can be this, TV animation can be right. this good. Why isn't this good all the time? When I saw Venture Bros for the first time, I was like, this looks too good to be, like, funny. Yeah. And then I was blown away. It's like, wow, it's it's super yeah. funny. And it looks, is a, you know, it looks amazing and has so much original character motion and stuff like oh, that. yeah. And then on the opposite spectrum, I don't like Archer so much, mostly because the rigging animation, it's like the cheapest cartoon on TV, yeah. but also uh, it just, you can tell that one person wrote it because all the characters have one voice yeah. and they, they kind of do the same thing. Why do you have six characters when they all say the same thing? Yeah. But well, uh, they, they talk the, in different voices though. They talk in different voices, but same idea, same same one guy behind yeah, it yeah. all, like making his dolls argue with each other. The very snappy, the snappy dial. I mean, Archer was Archer has no business going on for like forty seasons or whatever it had. It was good for like three seasons back when the agency was still called ISIS, and then they had to scrap that. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I, it's going because it's the cheapest cartoon yeah, on yeah. TV. It's like in, what I think six hundred thousand an episode, which. Wow, really? Wow. Time TV. Most of that is probably just going to H. John Benjamin. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he deserves it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I they you could you could make an AI that could animate an Archer episode. Right. Yeah. It, um, I hope to see it soon. But it starts affecting <laughs> stuff that I, you know, really love cuz I I wanted to watch Alex Hirsch's new cartoon on Netflix, the the conspiracy one, and it's like Man, you made Gravity Falls one of the best-looking fucking shows on TV, and Netflix right. got you cheaped out so much that they have you with this very not-good-looking stuff. You know, I don't right. know. Right. Well, it's always said when it's not good-looking, um, but it's not by design, yeah. when they're just kind of stuck with that. But, it, you know, it could work if you go into it with the idea of it not being good-looking, I'm, I'm certain. I think so. Um, but, yeah, I yep. think... I mean, the other reason why they do it is because, like, a lot of these shows are very elaborate sometimes. So in order to yeah. fit in as much background shit as they want, it's like, okay, we got to do rigging. We're doing rigging. If we want this much detail, we got to do it. Yeah. And they'll often, like, I mean, most of the animation uh, that you'll see on TV in general is done either in India or South Korea. Mm -hmm. So, like, usually you need to send a full rig and you can't do something all that wild and adventurous if it's not something that the the studio you're sending it to is, like, ready for anything that's not rigged and posed characters. Yeah. You're, you're, you'll run into some problems there. We're, we're fortunate in the fact that we became an animation studio and don't really have to outsource it in mm -hmm. many ways that's interesting i didn't know they were outsourcing what aspects are being outsourced the like the usually full animation i um but you could do it where they uh have uh you send an animatic or an animated storyboard and they go from there um i haven't seen uh a whole lot of methods other than they do all the full animation all the in-betweens and stuff mm -hmm. like that and uh send it back usually um you sometimes have to adjust the lip syncing and stuff too since they might not be uh native english speakers and fully understand so there's usually some post adjustment after that but mm. a lot of outsourced animation uh, yeah south korea and india are the the big the big places if you were to get have you pitched around have you pitched like a cnh show to adult swim and stuff like that yeah, uh, let's see. We actually got picked up on Comedy Central's production slate back in 2011. And uh, then we walked from that because the deal didn't go well for us. So uh, we walked from that and decided we were going to mostly stick to Internet um, with our brand. And uh, then we've done we've done uh, we've had TV show. Uh, we've had uh, Purgatoni was one of the TV shows we made that ended right, up on right. sci fi along with some of our animated shorts and stuff. We've pitched around and we've uh, uh, 
been, I don't know, we've been, been kind of hot potatoed for quite a long time. Um, sometimes uh, we get picked up, you know, they, people want, you know, the, the execs or whatever, like we're looking for, you know, and their understanding of shows is very minimal. So they're like, we're looking for a show. It just has to have two close friends. You know, after Adventure Time was big, uh, you know, we're looking uh, for right. someone to make <laughs> we need a two dog close and a boy. friends. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> where they just surface level. And then they mm. often reach out to us, uh, especially since we run our own animation studio and all that. Um, and, you know, we like uh, currently we're doing some consulting for Despicable Me 4. Yo. Um, Hell stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, we're doing we're we're in we're in the minions machine. <laughs> Just <laughs> you're you're generating your own. They'll be CNH yeah. minions soon enough. They'll be wearing. Oh yeah. And I wore it's. I feel bad for anyone who there who wears yellow in overalls now because it's over. For them. Can't, <laughs> it is over. Oh no, the whole early '90s wardrobe is gone. <laughs> yeah, my the big Jenkos, the big overalls are coming back. Yeah, Good. my wife oh, keeps yeah. my wife keeps trying to get me to put my kid in overalls, and I won't do it. Because oh, yeah. it's infantilizing. Um, well, it's too complicated. Like, <laughs> a piece of, piece of clothing that complicated, I I don't have the patience for. Because like I'm I'm like trying to program my stupid Discord bot, and any any time that takes me away from that from right. goal, my true baby. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I imagine a kid's just gonna get tangled up and stuck on it, and they're already like constantly sticky so that's just too many moving parts absolutely um fucking so i see a I see a uh a piano back there i see a piano in your room are you are you a musician are you a music man you make a lot i am a i am a bit of a music man yeah Uh, Uh, here in colorado uh we do a lot of the sound design and voice acting and whatnot for the animations and uh so um yeah, uh, when not doing CNH stuff, sometimes uh, uh, my close friend colleague Ben and I we are mixing albums for people and recording and stuff like that. Uh, I've been doing audio stuff since like two thousand eight, two thousand seven, yeah. and uh, play piano, guitar, bass, drums, uh, all the string stuff in between, banjo, ukulele, stuff like that. Do the I'll do the Mark Marin thing. Who are your guys? You know, who are your guys? <laughs> My uh, guys? Yeah. Okay, well well, Mr. Marin, before you break this down into uh, uh Ah geez, I had a heroin problem, but I had a coke <laughs> problem, but I solved it using anger. Using anger in <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> yeah, using anger and and self loathing. Yeah. I pulled myself out of it. My guys would be like uh uh Mike Patton, Tom Yo. Waits. Devin Townsend, Yo, folks like that. Goofy, goofy metal men. Goofy metal men. Who are super Please. cool. Like, well, uh, Mike Phantom Patton is, is very serious. Me. I like how he's very serious and he doesn't like stuff that I also don't like. That's probably, in, I think I like Mike Patton the most when he was talking about how much he hated Wolf Mother. Yeah, that's such a great yeah. clip. I was like, so good. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if he's had anything to say about Greta Van Fleet, but every so often Mike Patton needs to show back up and yeah. give an interview about the new Led Zeppelin ripoff band. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I love Mike Patton. Um, Alex is probably Alex. Would you say you like Mike Patton more or John Zorn more? Because you're probably more of a Zorn. No, guy, I like. Right? I think I like Mike Patton. Well, I because I'm a vocalist. I'm a singer, so I aspire oh, nice. to be as you know wacky. And you know, multifarious <laughs> as as his abilities, you know. Right, massive uh, range. He's just attached to so much fucking great stuff, like from uh, uh, Faith No More, Mr. Bungle. I already mentioned Phantomus. Uh, you know, he'll do stuff with uh, in Italian. He'll do Ennio Morricone scores and stuff like that. It's just right. A, a very... Tomahawk is also a good project of his. Tomahawk. Tomahawk. Tomahawk's good. I like yeah. Lovage as well. Lovage yeah. is great. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Elephant Man was pretty fun. You know, as all those short things, the he did a really great EP with Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah. And uh, they start. They did live Aphex Twin songs. So they'd cover it live and stuff. Pretty nuts on the drumming side of things. Um, but yeah, I as a fan, I can't keep up with him. He's making uh, music faster than I have time to listen to music. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm so one day I'm gonna listen to all the Buckethead albums. I'm gonna listen to no, all 800 Buckethead. I tried in high school. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah, it's mostly just uh, droney ambient music. A lot of it. Yeah, it was, that was a good time. I was I couldn't pirate Buckethead albums faster than he could put them out. Right. <laughs> like literally, I think my connection was too slow, and like one people was like one or two seeders. You know, I was on Oink dot com. Remember that? Uh, I never used Oink. No. I was I I wish I kept my Oink account active, because um, it got shut down and then turned into a different private uh, oh, yeah. torrent tracker. But Have if you, you had an account, account, I'll go ahead. Sorry. Oh if you had an account, you would get like rolled over. Um, that's all. Oh, then you get to keep all your all your. Well, you just or? got kept access to the private torrents and okay. such, which uh, was. Have great. you heard of Soulseek? Yeah, oh, I'm on Soulseek every day. Basically. I'm allegedly yeah. on there as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we right, don't right. endorse piracy. No pirates well, here. We're not a Johnny Depp podcast. We're an Amber hey, Heard podcast. I share my <laughs> my own music. It's available on Soulseek. You can go download it from me if I'm ever if you ever catch me on there. So that's awesome. Oh, okay, but here's the thing with like music and comics. Do you find that music influences the way you do comics? Because especially with gag comics, rhythm is very important. And right. you know, I wonder if you could speak to that idea, that combination. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, like, uh, I would say it's not like a one to one kind of uh, like, you know, music and the comics together. But there's some things about like uh, a lot of the ideals of like when we were starting, how we handle uh, people ripping things off and stuff is kind of based around more of uh, a musician's kind of mindset mm -hmm. um, rather than like treating it like we're some super important syndicated comic that mm -hmm. demands respect. Uh, we were, <laughs> I guess you could say we're a bit more punk rock about it. We we're Hell about yeah. being loud and noisy <laughs> and uh, <laughs> trying to break some of the... Uh, conventions that were with video game comics and stuff like that. So it was it was a little bit of a yeah a bit of an anti anti attitude towards uh, the the comic the establishment, system the comic the establishment. establishment. <laughs> no go, more yeah. VG cats. That guy ended. Yeah. I I wonder what happened theater. to VG cats and I, I saw it ended a bit and sort of made me sad yeah. in a way. Um, you say you say it was a specific reaction against gaming comics. Like, did you have like a lot of ire against gaming comics when you were uh, when you were young? No, I just I just wanted it to be about comedy. I wanted it to be about humor and uh, wackiness, silliness, stuff like that. I just wanted it to be something other than like it's just so oversaturated with. Mm -hmm the games talk and it's about the game you're referencing and then you know character says something smug or something and it's <laughs> yeah, just yeah. like as as a reader it was boring you know um, what i mean i yeah i think especially with stuff like i mean penny arcade i don't know it had that reputation of being a cut above other other game comics i think largely due because uh taiko was a, a good writer and he had a pretty distinctive voice yeah and definitely. um but uh you, you go back to, like, Penny Arcades from, like, 2003, and you just don't understand what the hell they're talking about because it's some hyper-specific hyper, uh, John Romero reference. And, right. Um, and, but you go back to, like, a CNH from, like, uh, very early on, and it still works because it's a more universal joke. So right. I, th I think it proved to be a good idea. I think it proved ah. to be a good idea. Yes. Thank uh, you all paid off because the man the, i was fighting off the the urge to make a goddamn tomb raider 4 comic you, know. <laughs> you gotta oh uh, that is something that i do have uh, the urge to pander i absolutely do fall for um yeah once you learn how to do it with uh precision then it yeah <laughs> yeah well once you get an audience your audience will start asking for stuff and you wonder like how much should i give them and you know how much before mm -hmm. they will expect too much right um and it was that expectation from us on why we went to start doing like depressing comics and doing depressing, <laughs> depressing comic comics week. week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because they wanted depressing comics. Well, no, they were expect they had expectations, and we wanted to get rid of that. They expected a, a, a you know a gag, a joke, and then we would hit them with something definitely not that, just to you know to break their expectations oh, okay. yeah i, I gotta break the that's monotony cool. a little that's, that's uh, very funny do the complete opposite and we're gonna make you sad 
Yeah, I I'll I'll do that sometimes where I'll have like a wholesome comic about oh it's a queer family reuniting, and then my next comic will be a guy slitting his penis open with a razor blade. <laughs> and, you know. Yeah, I call those uh, I call those um, uh, Jesus. I, I forgot what I call them. They're, they're tone setters though. They're important to throw out there to mm-hmm, be like you got to expect both. Do not come here for just one type. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to. There's a holistic. Important. A holistic ad yeah you gotta you gotta shed the the wheat from the chaff you know yeah come for the wholesomeness stay for the penis slitting stay for the penis slitting. yeah absolutely yeah there's sometimes there's a homer episode sometimes there's a marge episode and there's a lisa episode <laughs> right uh well uh, i think that's true four. you say that but you know the simpsons was great at you know having this this yeah. for for their time pretty wild stuff yeah. and then having these really genuine and earned sentimental moments which was Absolutely. like I miss those episodes. Those oh, are the yeah. best episodes. Absolutely, I moan. Moaning Lisa still makes me cry. You know, I think about it too much, and I start thinking about you know Marge saying, uh, yeah, you, "You know, cry we'll a love lot, you though. just as yeah, I cry a lot. I'm a crying guy. I love Steven Universe. Steven Universe is a great show." <laughs> I Which cry is, less is that the now. best show to cry to? No, what's a really good show to cry to? I cried to the Norm. I watched the Norm Macdonald special earlier. This oh morning man, and I was- I'm gearing up. I, I'm treating it like a like a, a tasty little prize at the end of a workday. Yeah. I won't because there is stuff to spoil. And there's a panel at the end where they talk about him, and that's the them remembering him and remembering you know sort of this. I when you do comedy, especially like if you don't do like a lot of work in the community, like me, like I'm not out there doing charity. I'm not. I'm not doing good works. But there is this sense that when you're doing comedy, you are contributing in some way to making people's existence less, you know, less unbearable. Right. I don't know. Do you ever try and hype yourself up, like, say, like, develop a philosophy around it where you're aggrandizing yourself? Or is it more just like, I just try and be funny and that's it? Oh, I just try and be funny. No, I, I, I'm uh, at the maximum amount of imposter syndrome. Uh, <laughs> just try, just trying to be funny. And uh uh, not believing any in, when anybody says that I am, and I say, "Oh, you're you fucking liar! I yeah. just tricked you." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're you're like that right. all the way. I, I can't believe there's this massive conspiracy. Millions of people are in this conspiracy to convince me that I'm funny. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's 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 being like gang stalked by really nice people. <laughs> yeah, uh, reverse paranoia. Being yeah. reverse par- I think that's actually called pronoia. Is it? A, there is a word for it. It's pronoia, and uh, which is a the idea that people are in a in a conspiracy for your benefit which, yeah uh, sometimes i like to think yeah right <laughs> or yeah sometimes you get the feeling have you ever seen like the uh the clip of quantum leap where it's scott Bakula and he's uh has he's uh leaped into the body of a kid with down syndrome yes yeah yeah and you know <laughs> Uh, Probably the only one I've seen. Yeah, but there, there's sometimes I feel <laughs> That's like funny that. enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, sometimes I feel like I'm actually uh, like there's something mentally I'm I'm slow, but somehow everyone has promoted me somehow. And, you know, it right. has just said good job enough to the point where I have an audience. And, you know, I guess I shouldn't question that. No, uh, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I don't change it up, you know, maybe like I, I i wouldn't know what it's like to kind of be like all right i'm ready to change the world with my boner joke you know like <laughs> i don't know what that would be like from that perspective but i imagine it would change your writing to a degree i think i think there are a lot of comedians that do feel this way um oh, what do yeah. you think what do you think motivates that um i guess uh you know stand-up is really its own culture yeah so uh they have, I don't know, they, they gatekeep each other in such a way that a lot of what comes out the other end are these people that are like, you either have the, I'm going to do nice comedy, Ellen DeGeneres stuff, or you can't do comedy because in, in this, this climate and all this nonsense, I, uh, I just, I figure the goal is just be funny. Yeah. (laughs) Just be funny. Like, uh, I, uh, get caught up in in this new wave i love stand-up i've watched it since i was like four years old three years old and uh i i love for the i guess the lolcow kind of 
uh, side of what Joe Rogan is doing to comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where he was never like a real substantial stand-up comic. Yeah. And now he's bringing in all these podcast hosts and giving them these huge audiences. And now they're like, I'm like Brendan Schaub. You know? Yeah, yeah, he's not good. And he's like, but, you know, there's something about gassing up your untalented friend, which is universally everybody. everybody That's why knows I am that. a fan. Yeah. yeah, I am a fan of that part. <laughs> I, yeah. And they all sit around with cigars talking about comedy, like with this reverence. I and, at least understand the appeal of Rogan guy. I get why people like that stuff. And um, I mean, Tom Segura never really did it for me. Right. Big I, liked Jay Oberson, I liked him somewhat, I think, early. Um, I've, I've recently been having this whole thing where I don't like stand-up anymore because it's all people who are t talking about how they can't say mean stuff yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And I was talking about this a couple episodes ago. My The only comedian I still like is maybe um, Brian Regan because <laughs> he, he just doesn't, he doesn't talk about anything political at all. He's just talking about like absurd things about American life, like an, having an extra medium. Yeah, um, how you can't have an extra medium. Well, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> that happened to me too with Jim Gaffigan, though. Where it's like, right. but yeah, Jim Gaffigan, I used to like, and then all of a sudden he's on Twitter being like, "Vote for her." I don't like yeah. Trump now. I, I, you know, it's a, and you know, good for him. You know, Trump sucked. Everyone got on the bandwagon of hating on him. But what is Jim Gaff? It's you know, it's that old Dave Chappelle joke. Oh, we got to get Ja Rule in to comment on this. Uh -huh. But then he became. <laughs> yeah, he became a commentator. You can see Ja Rule on CNN. <laughs> Oh my He's God! The... You can, yeah, murdering, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, ja Rule, yeah. I'm surprised that he wasn't funneled in there through the Joe Rogan pipeline. Joe Rogan, <laughs> the stand-up pipeline. Yeah. Uh, the one guy though who is who does deserve a huge audience, who's also like a weird, evil guy sometimes, is Joey Coco Diaz. Oh yeah. Uh, he's Joey. genuinely incredibly funny, and I'm glad you know Rogan <laughs> gave him an audience. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's, he's also been very so fucked up, dude. He's a strange yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, he's like kind of an unleashed criminal. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm happy for it. National treasure. National Joey, treasure. Joey, Joey, Joey Coco this. Joey. Did you see him on Alex Jones? You know, going a junkie's a junkie's a junkie. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god, I need to add it to my playlist. He's, that's that's my junk food watching. Is yeah. like yeah, Alex Jones and 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 shit like this. I didn't know uh, he uh, made an appearance. No, it's kind of hard to keep up with Alex. He's well because he's not on YouTube and he got he <laughs> yeah. got shit can for yeah that Sandy Hook Truth shit that went a little far. I'm gonna say <laughs> yeah, a little bit might be controversial to say, but I think Sandy Hook Truther nobody likes <laughs> those guys. Those guys. Yeah, I don't know who was on his on like who was waiting for the next Sandy Hook update from Alex Jones, but <laughs> it's yeah. great. That shit is crazy. Like because some of the Sandy Hook parents got convinced about Sandy Hook Truth as well, which was, really? you know, yeah, uh, at least one uh, that I know of. But uh, I said wow. some. Uh, one, one that I know of got became a Sandy Hook Truther, which is, you <laughs> oh, know, Jesus. I mean, that's somewhat rational to me. Like, you have a terrible traumatic event and you're looking for something to explain it. I got oh, a yeah. question for you, Chris. Sure. This just slightly changed the topic. Um, what, How Sandy Hook about... truth wasn't good? Uh, you yeah. didn't like Sandy Hook. Yeah. You didn't Another like Another thing about children. Sandy Hook. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not done. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back around. Um, uh, oftentimes I think like the internet is kind of the root of all our problems. But you're someone, and now I am someone who's now benefiting from it in a material way. But I often think like, man, I wish I could just turn it off. Just turn off the internet. Like, do you see that as something you would be in favor of can i convince you to join my clan of internet turn off people uh well yeah i mean yes yeah definitely i mean i i think that the internet's just a mirror of what people are i don't think it makes them better or worse i just think it's, it's who they are uh, but uh i'm also someone who yeah i have no problem unplugging for weeks at a time um yeah. i i grew up in uh a town of 150 people in Wyoming, um, out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, the idea of like how, I don't know, you learn to, you learn to entertain yourself and be, um, have a good time, even if it's just you in the middle of a windy field. Um, <laughs> and so like, uh, not touching my phone, not getting on the internet for days in a row is, uh, uh, pretty standard. Uh, if, I don't think, uh, I think my job would be heavily impacted 
by the internet turning off <laughs> yeah. entirely. You have to use mail a lot more. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be printing out my dumbass jokes at Kinko's and sending them in envelopes. Um, but, I mean, that it's interesting you said you don't think it has affected people because I guess that's where I might disagree, but I don't know. Maybe I haven't thought about it deeply enough um, in that it's a mirror of what people are really like. You don't find that this interconnectedness is causing things to be worse at all? Well, I guess to me, the feeling is that it's not causing them to be worse. It's right on time. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that uh, people like the Internet forces people to be kind of louder. Yeah. And it forces people to, uh, you know, I guess people do assume if you're in a position um, where you the Internet's most of what you got as far as your social interactions, I could. Yeah, that could be negative. Yeah. But um, I don't I, I, I have a hard time saying it's the cause of people okay. acting that way, if that makes sense. I think people. Yeah are kind of that way and then they kind of throw it out like material and see how it does and then you know they kind of adjust a little bit based on that but it seems like on the rails like they were they were kind of that person to begin with well the the thing about the internet which people say is that it's alienating people because it gives you sort of the illusion of social interaction without it being as substantial but the problem with that is, like, I know so many counter examples of people who have made long lasting and intimate friendships through the Internet that I don't know. Is it? I agree. Is it? I, so I think in some way, I think if you you're using social media incorrectly and like you can it can get to that point where you get very isolated from it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I think so. I'm using it wrong then. <laughs> it might be <laughs> I think I'm using it wrong. You're feeling very. I mean, it's not. It's not incorrectly or correctly, but there is a way to like, I feel like especially like uh, doing that, I'm displaying my best life stuff on Instagram that, that oh, yeah. sort of leads to mental illness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like uh, I think some people, um, some people are a bit more susceptible to that. Yeah. Uh, I think that more people than we account for understand what the Internet is while using it as well. I think you how know, much understand its effects. So that concept of the internet as a mirror, that was like initially part of the ethos of 4chan, which is like, because this is, it's anonymous because when people are free to comment, this will be essentially the subconscious. This is what people are really thinking. And it sort of was innocent for a few years and then it got overrun with terror. Um, right. How much? Well, of- yeah. Were were you on 4chan back then? Were were you interested in that humor, or was it was that a bridge too far for you? I didn't use the website of 4chan at all. Um, the we ended up <laughs> we ended up doing a panel with Moot over there <laughs> at uh, MIT of all places. Very um, funny, very funny. That's cool. And, and I kind of just didn't know where the, some of these things were coming <laughs> from. I didn't know what 4chan was as a source until after that point. Um, so like missed some of it, but you know, I think that, you know, we, I'm from like old using forums kind of era where that was kind of everywhere to some degree. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, like whack-a-mole, these websites go away and then they end up in one spot and that's how it became 4chan. (laughs) But no, I wasn't, I wasn't an active user. I've never used it. Uh, something awful. Did you, did you glean any humor from something awful, which is where 4chan came from? Something awful for sure. Uh, something awful. Newgrounds. Um, both of them were pretty big, pretty big for me. Especially Rob. I know Rob wasn't pretty active. Something awful member, yeah. uh, taking part in the Photoshop contest and stuff like that. Did he see like Chow Chow three and it blew his mind? And he like had a, <laughs> you know in the Simpsons where uh, Homer's mom sees Joe Namath's sideburns and like the camera whirls around her was yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jesus, Chow Chow blew everyone away for years. And it was kind of an enigma uh, where it's like, when is he going to drop another one? And um, back then, I, you know, I was using Rob's forums and his websites. He did the Rob Zombie or Rob Zombie, Joe Zombie animation series. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was kind of doing stick figure animations as well, but they were comedy focused and uh 
kind of as a collective, all the stick figure violence kind of animations went in the super serious direction where they had to be these cinematic movies and yeah, they're yeah. trying to do like these 3D pan arounds. And that was Rob. Rob started going into let's make a triple A action film with these stick figures and stuff. Yeah. And uh, um, part of how CNH came around to begin with was uh, wanting to take a break from animation, stop doing, you know, thousands of frames and just do one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I think that, um, yeah, like folks like Rob and Dave saw that as a nice break as well from trying to do, oh, these big blockbuster stick figure violence animations. Uh, I pulled him over to like, let's be stupid and irreverent. Mm-hmm. Well, because I, I remember the Madness series was sort of the that was sort of like the the ultimate stick figure violence series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he didn't even use sticks, man. He nah. didn't even use lines. Do you ever get criticized what is, what is, for that? Who is this show off? Yeah. Oh, like on Newgrounds way back in the day when people would have debates on if it's good, if it has stick figures kind of thing. But that's that's not a conversation I'm willing to be a part of. We should bring back <laughs> the clock crew. We should. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about how Strawberry Clock doing. You know? I, want, I do genuinely wonder because... Talk about like a niche internet micro celebrity that <laughs> is some a person who's still out there. Maybe, maybe they died. It would be crazy to learn that. Oh yeah, Strawberry Clock, he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah, his plane went down. Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> yeah, legendary frog throat slashed from ear to ear. Tom Fulton himself is killing him. Oh, I haven't. There's so many. There's so many classics. I know, uh, some, like Joe Cartoon. If you remember that, he's yeah, he's kind of going. He's still on the internet doing like country songs and uh, little editorial cartoons. Oh hell yeah, that's what you got to do. Um, so we talked about like this Newgrounds influence. I was wondering if there was any like classic comic strips that were very influential on your stuff. Uh, oh yeah, like uh, what are some some old syndicated comic strips or? The Far Side would be a big one. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the Far Side's uh, definitely, definitely a big one, um, especially just for the humor and even what he could do with a single panel and stuff. Um, I, I read all the Garfields. I wouldn't say they're much of an influence, but I did read the, all of <laughs> we them. We all did. Uh, We've all read, read all, all the all Garfields. Them. Yeah, I read them all too. It's, yeah. Right. It's kind of like a weird novel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not like a funny it, novel. Yeah, it's about one man's <laughs> descent into madness talking to his cat. Yeah, it's his own. It's John Arbuckle's purgatory. Yeah. And you just watch him suffer for books. Well, that was back when it was the threshold was, oh, the books. You know, nobody's going to get the daily paper and have them all collected like that. Um, <laughs> just doesn't seem possible. A guy with all the Garfield strips on like a cork board and he's got red yeah. string going from one Garfield <laughs> yeah. strip. Connecting them all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I I was wondering if um, something that I've noticed on the Internet and something that I don't know whether you know it or not. I, I see reproduced in CNH's style is Nancy comics. Uh, do, did you ever peep some old Nancy comics? I peeped them. Uh, yeah. Never access like school li- uh, school libraries where I got a lot of our comics. Like like I said, really really small town, but uh, they did have uh, you know things like Calvin and Hobbes and and uh, um, I I ended up seeing Nancy comics, but never getting a collection. You know, mm-hmm. not the discography. Did your school librarian ever make a mean comment about how you didn't? Because that happened to me and a bunch of us. Because we oh, all really? we would do is take out the comic books from the school library and the librarian would get so pissed. <laughs> She's like, when are you boys going to take out a book with real words in it? And it's yeah. like, I just, I mean, I just wanted to read all of, uh, all of the far side again. So <laughs> yeah. When you're going to read something like a graphic novel, you know, things are paragraphs. <laughs> Here, kid, I'm giving, I give, I give the kid, like, uh, Dark Knight Returns, and he's yeah. instantly traumatized. Yeah, here's oh, Mouse. We had yeah. yeah, we didn't have that. Mouse was already banned at my Catholic school. <laughs> That's oh, really? crazy. Well, yeah, really? They, they already. Yeah, They're they, on the they, pulse? They, back in, like, 2001, they were banning shit. They, they wanted to ban Harry Potter. Well, they were right about Amazing. that, but for the wrong oh, reasons. Right. I know. It's weird how that circles around. <laughs> yeah, that happened yeah. to my dad. He hated Harry Potter because it was satanic, and now he likes it because it's turfy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> of course. The right you ban you ban Harry Potter on what the the magic, and then like look yeah. at the young adult section just vanish without magic. Yeah, just no more young adult books. No more YA books. No more magic in this world. We're gonna have <laughs> YA books about about guys farming. Actually, I love that. I would love if like farming YA novels became popular. No, they want the they want the alternate history, like where you go back and live in the Roman times and you're a persecuted Catholic. Oh yeah, they do do that. Remember? Oh, the pagans are persecuting me for being Christian. Do you remember (laughs) that TikTok trend where it was people pretending to be Holocausts, like in the Holocaust? No, I missed that one. There was Was there a dance? No, there wasn't. There wasn't a dance, but it was like people. They would like dirty up their faces and wear ragged clothing and they was like hello POV. i am i am mira jancelowitz i was interned at uh, i was interned at auschwitz and they're making like sad faces and <laughs> they have they have like you know some some music going on in the some obnoxious music going on in the background um, that's amazing i'm glad yeah. they're doing it i never went to art school and never so i'm glad i can get, still get the performative <laughs> art experience through that exactly. um that's nice yeah that's that's pretty close to what did, art school is Did you is go like. to college? Because you you had like success pretty young. So was there a need to go to college? No, I was fortunate enough that uh, uh, by the time I was sixteen, um, we started being able to like I was losing money by working at Pizza Hut, and I was like, I can quit my Pizza Hut job and do these fucking comics, do some dumb comics. That sounds much better. And uh, so yeah, I was fortunate to kind of have the the career going by about 16 17 yeah uh, you missed out on the quintessential millennial experience of spending a lot of money on a degree that you don't use yeah oh yeah <laughs> my dad was begging on... me <laughs> you could have been an alcoholic the whole time yeah, yeah you could have learned alcohol <laughs> true alcoholism in college <laughs> yeah yeah i could be uh you know cursing everybody else uh drunk on lambrutsko fucking <laughs> Yeah, like oh, these—they don't understand real art. Me, I—I <laughs> if they wanted me to go to Denver Art Institute, which they don't even give you a cert—a certificate. Like you don't really get anything. Yeah. What? What is that? So, is that like a for-profit or something? I have no idea. I have no idea. I but uh, I—it was one of those like, uh, "Fuck you, Dad! I'm gonna do the comics instead. No college for me." And uh, so now, now he's—he's he's come around. He's come he's, around. He's well, the comics worked out. It worked yeah. out. Uh, <laughs> it did. is the fact that, uh, is the fact that all the CNH cartoons take place in a white void, was that influenced by growing up in Wyoming? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's eight, it's a, it's a tundra, um, where I live. So it's eight months of winter and lots of wind. So yeah, like, uh, um, it starts slowly evolved where it's the plain white background. And then that white background is the landscape. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like, you know, they drop a contact uh, out there and can't find it yeah yeah it did uh, uh there's there's a lot of uh uh jokes i've made with some folks i know who live in wyoming where it's like yeah see it's all placed in wyoming look there you go look. yeah yeah because i mean you you mentioned that earlier about and i think that's integral to like some of the cna style is that it's it's about you and maybe you and a friend making fun for yourselves out in the middle of nowhere in a field you know and that's right. what sort of I like the idea of that the cyanide and happiness cartoons are this contained universe where only these guys exist, you know, in the moment for that universe and for that joke. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. It's hyperbolic, in in the way that like I mean, comics in general, the way time works and stuff, and you get to mess with that. Mm-hmm. See, it's the space and, between the panels. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. See, <laughs> now we're getting arts art degree here. Yeah, Scott it's, McLeod. Uh, Scott, we should get Scott McLeod in. Yeah, uh, hell yeah! And I like, saying I like, like his the, stuff is great. I love him. I agree. I agree. It's super good. And uh, yeah, to uh, reflect on what you're saying earlier about you know um, the web or uh, the internet having a little bit of a social benefit to it, I was out in a town of 150 people, and I started working with folks like Dave and Rob uh, for like two years before we met in person. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, you know. Um, kind of like it, we were is all over messenger and stuff and um i'm surprised we didn't catfish each other we all ended up <laughs> you were all actually guys you were yeah yeah you were all well, i, I real totally guys. went against the rule you know back in, when you sign up to the internet don't use any information don't say anything and my username was my real name everywhere i'd go and stuff like that and i was like i don't know 
come and get me, I guess. I, it's it's a dangerous drive, so mm-hmm. be careful. Bring yeah. some kitty litter in case you get stuck. These mountains, got to get your tire, got to get your traction. Got to get your traction yeah. going. I don't know what a yeah, Wyoming yeah. accent is, so I'm just doing my Canadian accent. I'm just doing my Fargo <laughs> it's, accent. It's, it's kind of close. It's a mix of that and, like, Texas. There's a lot of both and wash and roof and root, that kind of stuff. <laughs> that shit rules. Uh, yeah. Why, Wyoming's rough because, you know, what are your other two famous things? It's it's Dick Cheney and the Laramie Project. You know, that's... <laughs> the Laramie Project. I didn't expect that one. I mean, there's Yellowstone as well, but the Laramie Project. Oh, yeah, Project. That, that whole, that geyser. <laughs> nature's asshole. Uh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. I, no, Yellowstone is obviously very beautiful. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's don't let that fool you. The rest of Wyoming is not beautiful. It's uh, the, the natives called the the area where I grew up Poison Valley because it's considered <laughs> uninhabitable. <laughs> so, that's where I grew up. Hell yeah, Poison Valley. That rules. Poison Valley. Uh, it, it's just called the Valley now. Okay, that's much better for marketing. You know. Right. It's a little missing piece of Utah. I think there's a, there's a very funny thing. Because, you know, like a lot of places in New York, there'll just be stuff called like Locust Point and like right. and, Hell's and Kitchen. Yeah, stuff like that. Really unappealing names. But it's the unappealing name sort of becomes part of the selling factor yeah. because it becomes gentrified. And suddenly it's very funny that you're living in a very upscale place called Hell's Kitchen. Oh, yeah. And it's all over the place out here, like in the mountains, too. Like, you're like, ah, the Devil's Gulch. And it's like, have you been to the Devil's Gulch ski resort? It's very nice. (laughs) It's very comfortable. And it's like, I'm sure that was a warning at some point. But I love that we keep the name. Like, yeah, Devil's Hangnail. (laughs) Shit like that. Yeah, it's weird how that I saw I saw a post by a a fellow called Tim Faust the other day, and he was talking about uh, gentrification, how it's like the same all around, how it's the same axe throwing people. Uh, that <laughs> sort of pop up in the middle of every city. I mean, I've been yeah. extra. It's fun, but you know that that sort of like um, uh, homogenous hipster hipstery uh, corporate hipstery culture. Uh, yeah. That I and you're you're in Colorado, right? So I, um, I'm mm-hmm. sure that's in Denver as well. You know, I'm sure you can. Get yeah, that. Denver's. I I've lived in Colorado for I think nine years, eight or nine years, and uh, Denver is a completely different place. It's extremely gentrified now. Mm. That's fucked up to think, because I imagine you know you you seem nature oriented. If I if I can clock you as nature oriented for a second, you got me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm one of those like six day hiker type of people. Hell yeah, that rules. Yeah, uh, that's fun. Get a lot of ideas for jokes out there on the hikes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, honestly, do uh, you you know just walking around thinking, looking at shit. You know, you know, look at a tree, think about a you thing. Think better. It's nice. I think better when I'm walking. That's for uh, sure. Yeah. I, there's a uh, there's a guy who studied um, people like uh, um, you know composers and 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 writers like Mark Twain and uh, all of, all of their processes had to do with either like walking or motion, like being in a carriage or something like that. A lot of people just think. I think like when you're driving, you kind of switch to a. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of mindset too. There's, motion has something to do with it. I pace like crazy too. So yeah. if I'm writing a comic at home, I'm just walking up and down the same spot. Absolutely. It's mm-hmm. well because it's that thing where I think it occupies your mind better because it's that thing where you think, okay, I'm going to have an idea, and then you need to forget about it for a little bit. Yeah. And your your mind needs to wander to other places. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like um, oh Jesus, the amount of like documents that I'll have that are just like notepad files from t- 2009 that have a bunch of d- dumbass shit that I've written in their ideas and going back and getting to reinterpret it, like forgetting about it and reinterpreting it for the first time it can like be really good. You, oh yeah. You the know, burner. Like, yeah. The burner. Putting it on the burner. Them. Yeah. Put it on the burner and then let it simmer for 12 years and then <laughs> take another look at it. <laughs> No, that's true. I absolutely I mean, the reason why I'm like doing like a lot of these comics, I'm generating a lot of these comics is because I've just been sitting on like a lot of these jokes for a decade and just never put them out there before. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, I mean, when it came to doing animation, too, there's just so many uh, ideas you'll come up with that it's like, oh, well, this needs the sound. It doesn't work without the sound or it doesn't work without the motion just yeah. doesn't work as well in the comic. And that's very much how we went to d- doing the animated sketch comedy as well. It's mm-hmm. just, we had just tons and tons of those that would never work as a comic. It's a, uh, 
how if like I were to imagine because you've done other shows that are are plot focused that have like a narrative force, but if I were to like is do a C and H show, to me what like the format would be would be like a sort of like Mister Show where it's a bunch of sketches that are linked by other stuff, or yeah. uh, uh, the because you know your animated sketch the one that sticks out the animated sketch that I always remember is the guy running the bus running on the bus and oh, yeah. the fastest runner in the world one of your yeah, earlier ones but that that struck me as like exceptionally clever when i first saw it oh thank you um, yeah uh we are we do have uh the side night and happiness show it has four seasons and it's exactly how you mention it uh mm-hmm. like mr show uh we have some seasons that are pretty raw sketch form and then some that are sketch with a through line and a story mm-hmm. that develops and one that's all pretty much uh, a storyline that has sketches within it you know mm-hmm. so yeah yeah, like uh, we've done serialized stuff and uh, slightly serialized stuff. Uh, I, I think that's where we get some of our most freedom is in the, the Sinai Happiness show mm-hmm. itself. Because you can just, you know, work, if, especially like if you're like me, you just get bored pretty easily. Like the reason why I like gag a day formats is because committing to a serial can sometimes be sluggish. And it's like, yeah. I'm done this comic. I'm done this mm-hmm. comic and I'm moving on to the next one, which is always sort of a satisfying feeling. Right. Uh, yeah, a, a little less. I'd say it's a tiny bit less like cynical to the boredom of doing something and more of like getting really inspired about doing this other idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like, oh, you know, like we've done, you know, things that like we've done entire depressing episodes to do that. Uh, uh, we've done horror. Um, you know, that's it's kind of the excitement of you know, doing something, Hey, let's do a stop motion one. Um, you know, and things like that, that pushes us towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, see, and luckily CNH and I'm sure, as you know, uh, like doing the gag, uh, doing a gag a day thing leaves it so open mm-hmm. to whatever you want to do. And it kind of helps with inspiration. I think where you can be inspired by something and you can make it work with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I see, I see this trips up cartoonists a lot, uh, who are like move on to more serialized stuff or, who have established characters in a comic where they get tired of doing it after a while because they they there's like a new idea that doesn't work within the fundamental format of their comic. So usually right. they'll just start a new one. Like um, Zach, uh, extra fabulous Zach, yeah, started Purvis. I think I, I assume yeah. because oh, I have all these I have all these Purvis jokes, but they don't really work in the uh, in the main through line of the comic strip. And he's not even married to a, a serialization or narrative. Sometimes you just gotta right. do something different. For no particular reason, I can see why it's dressing it up. You know, like the presentation is is totally different, and uh, I can I can see where, um, like Purvis is kind of what an emotional Mister Bill, right? He's always just kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. getting beaten up emotionally, and yeah. I can see that. Yeah, like that's its own foil. So I it makes sense to me. Uh, what I I, I want to ask you. So we we recently we didn't receive a wave of hate. It, it wasn't it. It was just it was pretty mild criticism, actually, which is, you know, mm-hmm. fine. someone blocks you on Twitter and they make a big show out of blocking you. And they're like, I don't yeah. like this guy. And then a bunch of other love people. those guys. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I couldn't begrudge them because it wasn't unfair. So people are just not going to like you. Nothing you can yeah. do about it. Um, and uh, but I was wondering because there's definitely some cartoons I regret. Like, did you ever put a cartoon out there that you later was like, eh, that's a bit much or, you know? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, the, that's a bit much or that's not funny yeah. that all the time. Yeah. Uh, it, but it's really important to me to not change it and leave it up and everything. That's it's important to me because like uh, it's important for me to be like, no, that's I don't like that one or that one's that one's like terrible. There's ones where like, yeah, just uh, that's it's kind of used in almost a diary form in that sense where it's like, don't touch it, don't move it you know, like the ways that I'm different now, I want to be able to see that. And uh, I also don't want to run away from criticism as well. I don't yeah. want to run away from doing things wrong. I will I will proudly do things wrong and then proudly say it was bad and terrible. Was <laughs> there ever sense. one where like, did people get like really mad at you and then you saw their point and were like, got, got sort of upset and envisioned your head to be like a heel, you know, like they yeah. did the cartoons? Yeah, I did one that had, uh, I got, um, let's see, I ended up responding to over 110 emails about it. <laughs> over 110 <laughs> uh, emails. Yeah, oh and my. I just 
personally, like hearing them out and apologizing and stuff like that, I did want to had a, a baby Osama bin Laden uh, folding a paper airplane. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that's very funny. How how was how near was that to nine eleven? Uh, this was like 2006, I think, so not oh, too far Oh, well, off. get over it. I mean, we were still in crazy times back then, but... Uh... <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people from New York emailed me too and stuff. So, like, I had no, <laughs> I had no problem saying, yeah, sorry, that probably came off wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry I did that to you. I'm not taking it down, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, when I when I got to New York from I grew up in Dallas, uh, and when I got to New York, I found that people did not appreciate my nine eleven jokes <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, and I was like, why? Like, did you like? And they were like, well, my dad was there, and I was like, oh yeah. shit! Well, you, right. I didn't even know that they were real buildings. I thought, well, you made it TV. weird then. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was all fun until you made it weird. Yeah, you didn't have. <laughs> but now you go on the internet. Now people who were in nine eleven are making nine eleven jokes. It's it's yeah. everyone's favorite thing is nine eleven jokes. You know? Yeah. Now well, it's hopefully in John Stewart uh, the same will come thing. Yeah, <laughs> come back, come <laughs> back, and all these fresh 9-11 jokes you could be making yeah. <laughs> yeah same thing happened with me moving to colorado when uh school shootings were just a colorado thing at the time mm -hmm. oh yeah for the most part but now that's relinquished mm -hmm. um yeah. well we've reached just about the end alex do you have any like final questions you want um, to do i guess uh the only final question is i have is what do you see for cnh in the future uh well i mean uh it's we're gonna keep evolving we've been having a lot of fun making party games and video games and uh doing kind of interactive stuff it's hard to say um we kind of go by what we are feeling most inspired from but i, I would say expect uh expect more interactive game kind of stuff hell yeah hell yeah cool where can we find that uh, you can go to explosum.net or just search cyanide and then it usually pops up immediately. We popped up on a Dateline episode uh, not too long ago. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Showed them Googling it like cyanide poisoning and <laughs> first thing is a bunch of cyanide happiness stuff scrolling down. <laughs> Very funny. We made it to Dateline. NBC, awesome. the show. Uh, well, well, Chris, uh, you a wonderful guest. Uh, this is like a big coup for me. If like 16 year old me knew I was doing this right now, he would be freaking out and shitting his pants. Yeah, I can say the same yeah. also. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, man. It's, and it's, it's uh, yeah, just wonderful to have you on and thank you for your insights. And, uh, yeah. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, for you listeners at home, make sure to go check out the, the house of decline Patreon. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you. plugging our Patreon, Chris. <laughs>